still. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to get one for, like, probably, like, around, like, Black Friday or Christmas, and then uh, my former career's Christmas present to me was eliminating my job. So that was uh, yeah. so nice of them. Yeah. Of course. I was just going to say that I was in the opposite position. I did not want a new phone. My S9, so just one more model newer, but still, like, my 9 was working <laughs> not great, but also I did not need a new phone, and then I smashed it in a creek bed, and so I was forced to oh. get a new phone. Yeah. It was, like, paid uh, off. Like, I had, gotten, I, I had gotten our cell phone bill down to, like, $111. It was awesome. <laughs> because I, I, I had been, like, paying for Sarah's iPhone whatever she's got, and then my S9. And, you know, that takes, like, two years on both of those. And so – and I had also uh-huh. dropped a tablet that I never took out of the house. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. <laughs> and then, of course, I think that lasted, like, one bill cycle, and I smashed my phone uh-huh. on, the, uh-huh. on, the, on the creek bed. But, no, so now I got an S21, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Ooh. But I didn't want it. <laughs> now I have it. I didn't yeah. want it for years. <laughs> do you do you like it? Do you like the new one? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the camera is absolutely oh, man, I... incredible, and it's, of course, fast, and, and because I haven't overcharged it for years, it you know, it, I, it, I haven't unplugged all day, and then it's down to, like, 70% or something, and yeah, and it and I get 5G now, which I don't notice much difference, but there it is. Oh, I, uh, I stopped overcharging my phones um, when I got the S8. I stopped doing it, uh, like, the tail end of my S5, which was the phone I had before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I heard like, oh yeah, you'll get like a lot more battery life if you stop doing this. So I I made it a habit to not do it once I got this phone. And I'll tell you, like I've had it for fuck, what's it been now? Five years? Mm. Pre- well, no, I got it Black Friday the year it came out. So that would be there was the nine, the ten, the twenty, and now the twenty-one. So four years, mm-hmm. and I'm just now like having issues with it. And the only issues are that. I'm consistently running out of space, so it's oh. causing it to be slow. I, I'm never having battery issues with it. Yeah, that was I had like the 64 gig one or whatever, and yeah, I, I, yeah. it like filled up so quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've got, and like it's always like, oh, would you like to delete some photos or some videos? And then I go in and look at what's taking up all my memory. It says photos and videos, 10 gigabytes, <laughs> apps, 12 gigabytes, <laughs> other. 44 gigabytes. I'm like, tell me what the other is so I can delete that shit. Yeah. It it wouldn't tell you? (laughs) No. No. It's like other two-thirds of your memory that we we can't tell you what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Mine was, I had a crap ton of podcasts and, of course, pictures and and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. See, I I always forget how far behind you are on podcasts that you just download and don't listen to. So that's got to be... (laughs) a lot of your memory yeah and in fact that was a lot of my um consternation about getting a new phone i was like how am i gonna get all the and luckily there was only two podcasts that are now behind a paywall that i hadn't listened to yet so you know you know how some like wtf and how did this get made like their episodes are free but as they get as they put out new episodes those old episodes get put behind a paywall or whatever like stitcher premium or earwolf uh-huh. whatever um <laughs> And so, uh, amazingly enough, I was able to go resubscribe and download. Like, I had my phones next to each other. I was like, all right, here are all the Doug Loves movies that I want to listen to. Here are all the WTFs I want to listen to, whatever. Um, and uh-huh. so I was able to go and recreate my queue, and there was only two that are behind oh. a paywall right now, which is Zach's Bra- Zach Braff's episode of WTF, 
and the How Did This Get Made episode of the probably 80s classic uh, B-movie Megaforce. Those were the oh, only two Jesus. that yeah, okay. <laughs> I was not able to. And so I saved them for my other phone and put them on my new phone, and I'll find a way to listen to them. <laughs> uh, nice worries. <laughs> nice worries. I, as soon as I as soon as I text you that, I'm like, that works out. I I I, I, I normally think of like if I need to text a clarification because of a typo, it, it's most of the time not warranted yeah. because the person could <laughs> probably figure out what I'm trying to say. But I didn't want you to think I was saying like, oh, nice worries, loser, because. Nice <laughs> Cause you're like, oh, don't, don't sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'm just getting going. I'll be ready in a second. Nice worries, nice worries. you loser. Yeah. God, uh, fucking what, idiot. What would that mean? Is that like I'm worried about something that <laughs> that doesn't need to be worrying about? But then why is it so demeaning? You know, it's like, oh, nice worries. Like, but, why are you just, why are you gatekeeping pr- my probably, worrying? <laughs> pr- probably just because you, you're, you're exactly, you're worried about something that doesn't need worried about, and I'm making fun of you for being worried about something so minuscule. Yeah, normally that <laughs> nice worries. Yeah, normally that's a very zen thing. Is like, hey, you know what? <laughs> In the cosmic sense, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's supposed to make you feel better, but that's like the the one response that like makes you feel worse for worrying about something. Nice word. It makes you want to start saying it. That's what if, if, nice words. if we haven't given enough context, that's what Ted texted to me, and then he corrected himself. Only they came in the opposite order on my phone, and that's why we started talking about <laughs> new phones. So it came like star, no worries, and then all right, nice worries, and I was like, what? Why did he change no worries to? And why do you? And then I thought the star was like some millennial thing that people are doing in front of text now, like star, no worries, like what? <laughs> the little asterisks, like oh great, I got to start doing that. Uh... I guess. <laughs> I'm just going to start doing that every time I text you yeah. so you think it's a thing. <laughs> I think, and I'm definitely going to do it when I text you. Hey, Ted, look how cool I am. Star, the episode's done. <laughs> <laughs> it, look, it reminded me of Sync. I was like, maybe it has to do with Sync. Like, all these thoughts were rushing through my head. <laughs> I know, I know, you know, millennials love, you know, rediscovering Sync, So maybe that's what it was. Instead of uh, Sync, it's in no worries. In no worries. <laughs> All right, should we get started? Might as well, yeah. All right, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 8, Episode 16, The Pothole. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? But actually, potentially before that, because I know we talked about doing this. Um, oh, let's do it with news. Never mind. Remind me that I do have news, okay? Okay, yeah, All yeah, right. got it. I, uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but we'll, we'll, we can both touch on that. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you do. So, okay, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, which was the Susie, when Kramer talks about getting in a fight with Reggie Miller, Elaine keeps calling him Cheryl Miller's brother and Cheryl Miller's little brother. I'm like, Reggie Miller, the most famous Indiana Pacers player of all time? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I should have looked up when he started because I didn't do that. But um, <laughs> Reggie Miller, he's 55 now, an American a former professional basketball player played his entire 18 year NBA career with the Indiana Pacers known for his, oh whoa yeah known for his precision three-point shooting especially in pressure situations and most notably against the New York Knicks for which he earned the nickname Nick Killer I mentioned last time when he retired he held the record for most career three-point field goals made he's currently third on the list between uh, behind Steph Curry and Ray Allen uh, he was a five-time all-star selection won a gold medal in the 96 Olympics his number 31 was retired by the team in 06 and currently he works as an NBA commentator for TNT he was also uh, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2012 so let me just look up and see where he was because I, I, a year would be helpful here because we know it's 1997 in the universe of uh, but he but he'd already been he'd already won a gold medal in the Summer Olympics in 96. 
And he was still mm-hmm. to Elaine, uh, Cheryl Miller's little Cheryl brother. Cheryl Miller's little brother. Yeah. So he played from 87 to 05. So he was 10 years in to an amazing career, and, and Elaine still calls him. So Reggie Miller was one of five siblings. His brother, Daryl, is a former Major League Baseball player. His sister, Tammy, played volleyball at Cal State Fullerton. And his older sister, Cheryl, is also a Hall of Fame basketball player. Now, she was inducted in 95, and she was a member of the 1984 U.S. gold medal winning Olympic basketball team. And she's also an analyst for Turner Sports. Um, After graduating from USC in 86, she was drafted by several pro basketball leagues, including the United States Basketball League, which was a men's league. And whoa, yeah. In the late 1980s, however, Miller suffered knee injuries that prevented her from continuing her playing career. One of the many uh, family anecdotes Reggie likes to recall is when Cheryl used to beat him in games one-on-one. They quit playing when he could finally block Cheryl's shots. And Miller says his unorthodox (laughs) shooting style was developed to arc his shot over his sister's constant shot blocking. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I still don't see why she was such a much more famous name. 10 years into him playing because you know i mean she, she's in the, in the hall of fame and she w- was on a gold medal olympic basketball team yeah besides that I, I still can't figure out why but at least we know that he did have a a semi-famous older sister as well why she's even more famous to elaine i i can't put it in the context of 97 see i think it would have been uh i think it would have been a much better joke and i'm not trying to like punch it up because th- this probably won't even end up being that good <laughs> If he has like four siblings, he and two of them are these Hall of Fame athletes, and then Cheryl Miller is just like an accountant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then, but why would we? Why would we know her name though? Why would Elaine know her name? I don't, she, maybe she like either works with her, or yeah. she just knows her as a person, not because she's some famous athlete. Yeah, or I don't or know. Or what if they somehow tied it into this this Sharon that. Elaine knew Sharon Miller. You know, oh, they tied man. it into that short run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Sharon Miller's we didn't little get brother. A third, we didn't get a third hit of that <laughs> joke. We only got the two, which That's was kind of weird That's now true. that I think about it. Yeah. I, although, I mean, the, this would have been a joke that undoubtedly would have ended up on the cutting room floor because it, it doesn't go, you know, it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. like, so Cheryl Miller's <laughs> little brother. There it is. When did the trunk safety latch that would have saved Mike Moffat from at least being uh, completely misinformed about what exactly happened to Susie, when did that trunk safety latch come into being? Uh, The Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number 401 internal trunk release uh, that required all new passenger cars with trunks be equipped with a release latch inside the trunk compartment went into effect September 1st, 2001. Whoa. I know. Uh, Hold up. Wait, September 1st, 2001, a.k.a. 10 days before 9-11? Yeah. Just imagine if they'd never put these trunk latches in, we might might be living in a completely. It was all their fault. Them and <laughs> oh no, them and oh, no. Kermit the Frog. If you remember from our earlier discussion of fan fiction or fan theories, I mean Kermit the Frog and internal trunk latches did nine eleven. Yes. That's right. It's true. Yeah. So we were we were years and years away from Mike Moffat being saved. Uh, I wanted to throw this in, too. This is a bit of extra credit, I'll call it, because George's answering machine is the theme to the greatest American hero. And I didn't know. I knew a little bit about it, but I was like, I, let's let's clarify this in homework next week. So The Greatest American Hero, an American comedy drama superhero television series from ABC that premiered on March 18th of 1981. So just a few months before little Tim Murphy entered the world. And it ran until <laughs> February 2nd, 1983. 
Uh, the series chronicles Ralph's adventure. This guy, Ralph, after a group of aliens, gives him a red and black suit that grants him superhuman abilities, but he hates wearing the suit and he immediately loses the instructions, so he has to learn how to use his powers by trial and error, often with comical results. <laughs> now, the theme from The Greatest American Hero, believe it or not, that's the full title. Theme from greatest theme from The Greatest American Hero, parentheses, believe it or not. How did you? How would you intro that on the radio? I, you probably would have just called it "Believe It or Not," right? All right, here's "Believe It I, or Not." I, probably. <laughs> here's probably. theme from the Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not. Wait, am I supposed to believe it or not that this is the theme, or is that I'm confused? That it does look funny even when you see it written out. Like theme from the Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not. Like whoever wrote the, wrote it on the record was like, can't believe they use this piece of shit, but here it is. Believe it or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then some, was some so- <laughs> edgy DJ says that exact line too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe they use this piece of shit. Believe it or not. Uh, sung by American <laughs> singer Joey Scarberry. The theme song entered the top 40 of the Hot 100 on June 13th, 1981. Less than a month until little Tim Murphy entered the world. It was actually number 12 the week I was born. So maybe my mom just didn't Whoa. like Yeah, The number one song was definitely... Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. Maybe my mom just didn't like that. Maybe this was just her favorite song when I was born or something like that at the time. Maybe, maybe. Because it didn't wow. peak. It peaked at number two uh, in August uh, August 15th. Kept did, off, uh, yeah. did she always tell you that it was number one when you were born? That's what I remember. Or, okay. Yeah, that's because I had like a baby book and there was, you know, uh, like time capsule style stuff like that 45. And she was like, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, but maybe I maybe that's just me misremembering it. Maybe she was like, this was a popular song when you were born or this was my favorite song. I don't remember. I guess I always thought it was like number one <laughs> for some reason. But it was kept off the yeah. top spot. It was kept from being a number one song by Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. But it spent a total of 18 weeks in the top 40. And it did. It did peak at number one on the record world chart. So I'm guessing that was like some kind of a tracked sales in a different way that the Hot 100 did. Mm. I have no idea. Just a just a separate chart. So maybe my mom was like, "Billboard, we are not a Billboard family. We're a record world family. <laughs> we follow the record world chart." God, I, I never knew of the the record sales analytics wars. Yeah, there was probably a. Um, uh, a chain letter or an urban legend at the time that Billboard was run by Satanists because every big company was run by Satanists back. In, <laughs> there was always a rumor that every company was run by Satanists back in the eighties, and and they also like put clues that they were run by Satanists in the logos. Like you know, I remember Procter and Gamble was a big oh, one. of course. Procter and Gamble was a big one. Like that's run by Satanists, and you know you can tell because if uh-huh. you count the stars, it adds up to. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love listening to like the explanations of those people like just <laughs> pulling shit out of thin air to prove their point that they already decided in their mind was the case yeah. you know the other one I'm reminded of I'm sure you've seen the monster energy lady right yeah <laughs> holy shit I, I don't even know where to begin with that what I love is like if there if this was a conspiracy why would they put clues that adult like you could discern you know could figure out if if they wanted to keep it secret that satanists ran it i think they'd be a little more uh you know they'd hide it a little better you know yeah <laughs> it's it's the uh, shh don't tell anybody this <laughs> yeah but we're, we're gonna tell you everything but, but but make sure you don't tell anybody it's a big secret we swear yeah uh well that's all the uh homework that i had but we do have some trivia and tidbits from the last episode. The impetus for the story was written when one of writer David Mandel's co-workers on SNL called him the wrong name, and Mandel didn't correct him. 
So he continued to call Mandel by that name for the, their entire time together on the show. And Mandel said he was struck <laughs> by the fact that there was no one on Saturday Night Live with that name that he knew of, inspiring the Susie, the core idea of a misremembered name leading to a belief in a non-existent person. So if Peggy had mixed up Elaine with somebody else, well, that's one thing. Like, oh, like Tim and Ted, for instance. Everybody used to call us, you know, like Tim and Ted. But if they, yeah. if they called one of us, like, <laughs> I'm trying to think, of it, Fred, you know, it was like, well, there is no Fred. You just made up a completely different person. And then this Fred would start to exist. You know, Fred was actually uh, one of my nicknames from my mother. Oh, yeah, it's got it's rhyme, nice rhyming nickname. Yeah. Uh, George's answering machine message, of course, a George sung parody of the theme from The Greatest American Hero. Believe it or not, it is a parody of that. I'm not asking you to. I'm not saying. No. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) was also based on real life events. A friend of a friend of Mandel's used this same parody for her answering machine message. But Jason Alexander, as we know, is a Broadway trained singer uh, in real life, and. He was told to sing it as poorly as he could after his first take of the song was judged too good to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Even the take they used was not bad. I know, I know. Uh, he's he's yeah he stays on pitch but he's he's just kind of low energy that's all it is believe it or yeah. not George is yeah. George is it at home <laughs> Mandel this is interesting because we both really liked the Susie but Mandel later said he considers the Susie one of the weakest TV episodes he's ever written what yeah wow he felt that the bookie plot line didn't go anywhere mm, okay I mean I I I agree. But I, I feel like everything else in the episode made up for it. Yeah, it, it, it resolved itself a lot better than, what was the one where I was like, man, all these storylines, maybe the Van Buren boys, I thought, there was one episode recently where I was like, they all are happening, but then they're still happening at the end. I just felt like the resolution wasn't that good. And I felt like the bookie think- plot line led itself, you know, I mean, I don't know what he wanted it to, what, what he wanted to happen. You know, I thought it, it just it sort of, just sort of led to the next yeah. thing, which was, you know, Susie's funeral. I think it, I think it was the Van Buren boys. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, the outtakes on the season eight DVD reveal a different eulogy that Jay Peterman gave, which went unused in the final episode that said, Susie was like a shining star that burned almost too bright, like a flashbulb. You know, the ones that give you those little red eyes. That was Susie. <laughs> <laughs> and Kramer being an impatient, oh, this, uh, file this under, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Kramer being an uh, impatient foe of daylight saving time, puts his watch forward prematurely. Peterman has a bowl of daffodils in his office. And those two facts don't square with the early fall view of Central Park from Peterman's window. So, Ugh. yeah, time uh, anachronisms. Unwatchable. <laughs> Literally unwatchable. Uh, and that's all I got. Okay. You got any other news or anything? Well, the only news I have is that I logged into Hulu on Saturday to watch this episode. And it said on the Seinfeld uh, icon, expires in 12 days. Yes. Yes, this is this is big. We we talked about this uh, last week off mic. Um, well, I I guess we we were on mic because we're not in the same room. But we we were on mic, but not recording anymore. I did put this in the episode description last week, though. We are officially on the countdown to Netflix. Mm-hmm. We both know that Netflix picked up. Well, originally the U.S. Uh, either the U.S. or the North America rights. To Seinfeld, but uh, in the last like month or so, they picked up the global streaming rights to Seinfeld, mm. and it was said to happen sometime in June of 2021, but we never had a date. Uh, well, now we have at least an idea, because as we're recording this episode, there are 11 days 
until Seinfeld expires on Hulu. As of this episode's release, there will be four days remaining. Wow. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, uh, you have four days. Meaning, we have a possible range of between June 24th and June 30th that Seinfeld lands on Netflix. In 4K, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing that says it's going to be on Hulu one day and, and Netflix the next. You know, I mean, I haven't seen any advertising yeah, from... You that, figured Netflix would be advertising this just as much as Peacock getting The Office, you know, like which well, I saw a lot see, of. Here's what I have determined. Netflix's release strategy and advertising strategy as of late is whenever we're going to release something, we're going to give people at most one week notice. Mm. Look at Bo Burnham's new special. Mm -hmm. Look at, um, oh, they, they dropped another thing. Look at- oh, uh, I, I, I think you should leave. Uh, Season two, they just- yeah, 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 I think you should leave. That is like a couple of weeks, but still, we're getting that and- Oh, the He-Man thing? something else. Yes, yes. And He-Man he is, uh, I think, like a month away. But it's it's all still very, very short windows between announcement and release. So I could definitely just see, and this, this is me calling Netflix's shot, the day Netflix decides Seinfeld is available to stream, there is a huge promoted tweet, promoted Instagram story and post, and promoted Facebook post push all seasons of Seinfeld available to stream right now mm -hmm. there's there's not going to be any hmm. lead up to it it's going to be right whenever you can watch it yeah because maybe it's just that big that I think so yeah. I think it is I, I don't think they're, they're they need to build up hype for Seinfeld yeah yeah it's just weird I just remember seeing so much more I mean even Hulu's not making a big deal that Seinfeld is leaving like Netflix did when The Office or Friends was leaving. They were like, "Hey, what? one more week to watch the watch the." I just feel like I saw a lot what? of that. Watch eh. it before it leaves. Stuff, you know. Uh, Netflix is much better at that than Hulu is. Uh, on Hulu's yeah. side, why would they make a big deal about uh, the, something leaving? One of the biggest, if not the biggest, sitcom of all time getting scooped from underneath them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't because know why. Because a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, they made a huge ad push that they had all seasons of Seinfeld. So why are they gonna uh, put it in people's heads that they were not good enough or rich enough to keep it? Yeah, I don't know why Netflix did it with you know the Office that's and true. Friends. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know why they did it. I either. guess get get them while you have it. You know, especially because well, it's it's weird in this case because the office was the, the office and friends were leaving for new streaming services if you have netflix mm -hmm. there's a netflix and hulu have been around for so long it's at that point where if you have one you might there's a good chance you'll have the other but with friends leaving not nobody had hbo max yet because it wasn't a thing no and when you with the office <laughs> with, leaving with, with, yeah less people had peacock <laughs> which is stupid because ap bio season four is coming out jeez people <laughs> <laughs> what, what, when when does that come out maybe i'll start watching ap bio <laughs> i don't know you can yeah you can probably catch up uh starting now because there are only like 18 episodes across three seasons but um uh i don't i don't know i think they're i think they just wrapped actually they went into like you know covid production pretty mm, early okay. but i think they just wrapped yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that might be the difference. Speaking of Seinfeld going to Netflix, uh, I don't know if you've been getting this ad while watching the last couple of episodes on Hulu. 
it can't happen soon enough, so I no longer have to see the... Archie has a baby sister, a royal baby oh born God. in America, and not within Buckingham <laughs> Palace. I didn't know what that was. I thought it was a parody. I was like, did I st- or did I start the wrong thing? Because it's, it took up the whole minute and a half ad break, I feel like. <laughs> and until like 1.25, you're like, what is this an ad for? Yeah. And then it's like some 2020 news special or something. Yes. Um. And yes, I know I do not have a good British accent. I, I sound like Crocodile Dundee. You, you don't have to tell me that. But I th- you don't have to send me emails about that. But I that. think you nailed the accent that is in the commercial, whatever that is. <laughs> Archie has a baby sister. Crikey. <laughs> yeah, I literally thought I hit a wrong button. It was starting to watch like, I don't and know. It, yeah, like you said, it's long. Yeah. It is long. Yes. Yeah, looking forward to that. And it's going to be really interesting to not have an ad break in the middle of my Seinfeld now. It's going to be weird. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll just like keep the keep the fade to black and just bring it right back, you know? Yeah. I think in so- I, I I don't know. I think in yeah, I think they probably will. Especially when it goes, you know, especially when we get some some music, uh like a music mm-hmm. cue, they might that might be a good. Yeah, I don't know. That's going to be weird. All right, do you have any other news or anything? No, I think that's it. All right, well, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last mm, 27 minutes being exclusively research and and homework. Uh, We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves that homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order after being a lifelong fan for years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It is nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com or at nohugging on Twitter. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. Like Lissa Dolphin did, this is... The perfect written review for us kind of revisiting the Susie in our homework this week. Because Lissa Dolphin writes, perfect podcast. It's the perfect podcast about nothing for the show about nothing. Also, that Todd fellow says, oh my God, a lot. (laughs) And I legitimately don't know if she's talking about you or me. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) I'm guessing it's me. I have no idea. I guess. <laughs> I, I haven't noticed, honestly. Now it's going to stick out. Oh, it really is. Uh, but uh, Lissa Dolphin, thank you so much for your uh, your written review. If you send us your mailing address, you can send that to us uh, in an email or in a DM. Uh, you can keep it private. We'll keep it private. We will send you a holographic No Hugging, No Learning sticker free of charge. And you know what? We're, we're getting close to uh, close to the new show. I'm I'm going to send her. I think Lissa Dolphin is going to be the first person to receive a sticker for the new show. Whoa. So, Lissa Dolphin, leak. send us uh yeah, so <laughs> send us that. But on one caveat to that, you cannot show anybody on on Twitter or anything. It is for you and you only, Whoa, okay? The honor system. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, all that being said, Season 8, Episode 16, The Pothole, original air date, February 20th, 1997. I was four years, two months, and zero days old, so 420. Um, and uh, if you are counting Todd this episode... That guy Todd says 420 every- a lot. 
That guy Todd points out yeah. every 420. <laughs> every every 420 and every 69. I I feel like I feel like it's my job to do that, honestly. Yes, as a young millennial, uh, it definitely is. <laughs> uh, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, Tim, we have 29 episodes until we become a... Uh, oh, I don't know. Goodness. What in the world? Uh, I mean, the, the greatest American hero is out there, but, you know, that's it's only like three seasons. So let me see what else. We could go over all of the Federal Transportation Commission's, because the trunk latch was number 400. I say we devote one podcast <laughs> to every, you know, car safety addendum that the Federal, what was it? What, oh, the Transportation uh, Commission has put into action. <laughs> What are we, WNYC? <laughs> yeah. I think we definitely should. And it's going to be just completely serious, like, no. If I hear a joke, I'm editing it out. I, got, I, have, to, uh, I have to practice my public radio voice. Yeah. This week on No Hugging, No Learning, we are talking about public safety initiative number 127. Yeah. It is the side passenger airbag first introduced March 16th of 1996. God, this is brilliant. Uh, I, can't, I can't wait until we- the, the, the brake light, the third brake light in the middle. I can't wait till that episode. <laughs> What's that all about? That's the season four finale. Yeah. That's the cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, and this is a daily, and there's still an hour. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, well, if you're looking at TV Guy the night of February 20th, 1997, you are going to see George takes extreme measures to locate his lost Yankees key ring. <sighs> I'm not, I don't. I'm not in love with it. I'll tell you that right no. off the bat. It, I mean, it kind of—it's not even the A story. Uh, that's what I think. So I, I think we're gonna have to make it better at the end. All right, we start with the cold open. Jerry is brushing his teeth at Kristen Davis's house. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Talk about uh. Talk about an uncredited cameo. W- was she on Sex in the City yet? Had, had the show started? That's a great question, and it's one we're gonna have to tackle okay. next week. All I right. want to say next no. Week. I want to say no, but I, I want to say maybe it was like concurrent. Like she was booked on the show. She recorded it in the summer or whenever um you know and then then the the that show premiered at the beginning of 98 or something weird like that you know i'm gonna guess it's timing like that but i really have no idea and jerry yeah so jerry's brushing his teeth at Kristen davis's house and he knocks her toothbrush into the toilet he freaks out but he retrieves it and while he's washing his hands he picks his head up to look in the mirror and say that she has started brushing with the toothbrush that was just in the toilet but like it's just water <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It is I, I, there. There are still germs, kind of that that water doesn't. You know, I mean, imagine you got like poop on your are. arm and like just ran it under the sink, and that's it. I I feel like a prop. I feel like the props department could have done more by just like I don't know, dump some lemonade in there. Oh, yeah, or you know, make it look like the toilet in Train Spotting that you and McGregor crawls out of. Ooh. <laughs> okay, maybe not that bad. Uh, just. Just like a, give me a streak. How about a or stain? Something. Yeah, give me yeah, give, give me something dirty, even if it's a like water stain. You know, give me something other than a sparkling pearl white toilet. But you know that kind of plays into the plot though. Is like where you or I may not freak out about a perfectly clean toilet and something falling in there. This is Jerry yeah. we're talking about, and and whether he has a disorder right. or whether just tendencies is going to come up in the episode. Yeah, so, yeah. But you got me there. But okay. I'm I'm more on Jerry's side where I'd like that toothbrush should have just gone right in the trash like i don't know why he put it back on the sink and like just squash it right then and go your toothbrush fell in the toilet but you know it, it he can't tell her because she's already using it <laughs> but i thought the mirror pov was an interesting shot here we're like 
It's like the camera was yeah. inside the bathroom mirror. Yeah, I, I thought that was really well done. And, and even the, we get a lot of POV shots. I think through this whole episode, like we get the mirror, we get from inside the toilet looking at Jerry. That was interesting. And I, 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 so because this happened while the credits were rolling, I made sure to look, and this is an Andy Ackerman. So he's like really experimenting. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I totally expected to see someone else's name, but no, he's like, let's, uh, Let's see the, what kind of shots we can get in this little cramped bathroom. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. Uh, so we open at Monk's in, in, into the episode proper, and George thinks it's probably okay. And I love his rationing is like a five-year-old's rationing. He was like, well, when the toothbrush fell, it knocked out all the germs. And then the <laughs> ones that didn't get knocked out were so shocked by the time you pulled it out. Like, like they're sentient and they can get concussions. You know, like when the toothbrush hits them, they're not microscopic. <laughs> To the point where that wouldn't, you know, it's like they literally get, you can smush them like a bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even Jerry's like, how many years of medical school did you take? Or something like that. And Jerry didn't tell Jenna that she was brushing her teeth with the toothbrush that had just fallen into the toilet. Meanwhile, George has a Phil Rizzuto head keychain in honor of Phil getting into the Hall of Fame. And when you squeeze the head, it says, holy cow. Um, I don't have any frame of reference for this guy, do you? I don't. I'm guessing he's the play-by-play or the color commentator for pro- probably the radio broadcast of the Yankees. Yeah, must be. And and that was obviously a, a famous a catchphrase of his. Yeah. Actually, the only reference point I have for Phil Rizzuto is when Billy Madison is writing in cursive and Veronica... What's her name? Veronica Vaughn? Rizzuto. Yeah. Uh, she tells him to write Rizzuto and he can't do yeah. the Z, so it looks like Rerudo. That's my only other frame of reference is from another comedy. Yeah, he just does like squiggly downward sloped yeah. lines. <laughs> Any more brain busters? Kramer comes in and he ran over an antique sewing machine on the Arthur Burke Expressway. And he dragged it for a while and uh, there's just so much litter on that road, he says. And then he sees George's keychain and he thinks it's Nixon. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look up the Arthur Burke Expressway too because I, I probably should have done that. Uh, Did you look that up? No, oh, okay. uh, Arthur Burkhart. Oh, Expressway. Arthur Burkhart. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. For some reason, I just wrote Burke. We'll find out what that is, where it goes, and what is the deal with it uh, next week. So we already have three pieces of homework, by the way, for for next week. Oh, it's gotta slow down. It's gotta <laughs> slow down. Uh, over to Lane. She's ordering Chinese food, but they don't deliver to her apartment on 86th Street because they don't deliver below 86. And the street itself is the boundary. So they do deliver on one side of 86, but not on the other side of 86. And they won't even let her cross the street to meet the delivery guy. Food is only for people in the boundary. (laughs) And they hang up. And then she calls back. Uh, We find out the place is called China Panda. And she has a phone and she uses a phony voice to order the food. I, I, I really liked this Chinese food guy, this Chinese food character. I liked it. The the guy taking the order? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, she's like, this uh, the Supreme Flounder, it says first time served in the in America. Is that true? He's like, what number? He's like, 47. Like, yeah, first time. <laughs> He's like completely <laughs> just blowing her off. Yeah, first time. <laughs> Up in the apartment, Jerry's apartment, Superman is on the shelf, plain as day. Uh, and Kramer has decided to adopt a one-mile stretch of the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway, and he's handing out cigars uh, as if he's just given, you know, as if someone has just given birth. He's showing pictures as Jerry says, "Oh, it looks just like you." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and George storms in, and he can't find his keys, and he has no spare because all of his keys say "Do not duplicate." And Kramer and Jerry have a pretty good laugh at that. <laughs> I like, and Kramer going, "He's such a sweet kid," like talking down to him. <laughs> To Jerry as if he's not there. It's so funny. 
<laughs> but to be uh, to be fair, I used to think that that. You know that was a hard and fast thing, and then and then I, I think well, I even what what's gonna what's gonna stop someone at a hardware shop from copying a key that says "Do not duplicate," especially if you slip them some extra cash. Yeah, and I mean I I think I've even Nothing. taken it to a hardware store when the guy had to do it, but nowadays those kiosks exist. Kiosks, huh? Oh, um, that's true. And yeah, so any can you key... can you do? Yeah, I guess you can do copies. I, I guess I've never done it in a kiosk. Yeah, it's it's pretty handy. Um, and, wow. and not too expensive and uh yeah so I, I, that's the way i've done it when i've needed a key but yeah it's it's just funny that he you know they, they have a good laugh at him being such a rule follower they say do not duplicate you guys <laughs> <laughs> uh, over at elaine's oh i'm sorry not on, on the other uh, side of the street from elaine's apartment she is waiting on the street for the china panda delivery guy and as he comes around the corner she sees him and runs up some steps and then walks down them to get the food and he's suspicious why are you why are you meeting me outside she's like oh you know i just thought it'd be nice i'd meet you halfway and he keeps watching her as she walks back up the steps and she can't get back <laughs> in the building of course because it's it's not her building and the guy takes the food back and gives her the money back yeah i didn't get this at all because i mean it the food's already made yeah. you're gonna have to throw it yep. out why why not give her the food and take the money especially the big or that she mentioned yeah yeah or why doesn't elaine just say like look i live across the street you keep this between you and me i give you a nice tip whenever you come here yeah or, or even oh, i forgot my keys oh dang it i gotta wait out here for somebody <laughs> to yeah yeah there was a that's good million too. ways to get around this instead of giving the money but yeah i'm like so this yeah. this small business in new york would rather take a bath on the supreme flounder that they've made or and or and make some, and make some money, you know. I I just don't understand. Take a bath on the food and make some money, or take the food back and probably yeah, put it right in the garbage. But Elaine calls it address discrimination. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, out on the street, Jerry bought every dental hygiene product that the pharmacy had that he's walking out of, and to the idea is to sterilize Jenna's mouth, as George says. And Jerry mentions drinking bleach, like Jeez. people were doing last year. Well, were, were people drinking bleach or were they uh, injecting bleach? Oh, yeah. I think there were some people who were drinking it because, you know, where do you find a needle in a, in a pinch? I think there were some. Where, where do you possibly find a needle in a country that's overwhelmed <laughs> in a heroin crisis? Yeah, Man. I, let me see. Oh, well, we don't need to. We don't need to look up how many deaths there were to drinking bleach. But oh, we just, no. people were putting it in their body just as Jerry suggested in this scene. So Jerry was living in 2020. While uh, everybody else, the only only way to overcome COVID is to butt chug bleach. <laughs> yes, true. Uh, and George is retracing his steps, trying to find his keys. He remembers this asinine, his asinine breakfast thoughts that he was having, whether he could have a cake or muffin, and and he says, "I sat on that bench over there for I don't know twenty minutes or an hour." <laughs> so he thought about whether a muffin is cake for like an hour, or he doesn't know. Like time disappeared. It's just so funny. <laughs> I, I I like this more because it comes after uh, I I think it was the last scene in Jerry's apartment where George was saying uh, he's trying to retrace his steps and what he did that day. He's like, "Well, I woke up. I was supposed to go to work and I didn't, and then I came over yeah, here." Yeah. So he he he's doing that in place of going to work for no real reason. He he never gives a solid reason why he didn't go to work. Yeah. So on his uh, his makeshift day off. He sat on a bench from anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, wondering about if a muffin was cake. Yeah. 
and then he remembers that he jumped over a pothole that was on 86th and he runs over there and it has since been paved over and as jerry and george are looking at it a car rolls over it and from underneath every time a tire goes over here holy holy cow <laughs> this was so good yeah. I, I love this bit <laughs> and i love even jerry's line poor son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> I liked earlier in the episode, too, when Jerry makes the joke and, and George, like, yes, ands it when Jerry goes, do they have to squeeze his head to make him say that? And George goes, uh, only in, like, the last couple innings of a doubleheader. <laughs> like, what, what a great building upon, uh, you know, an already funny premise. Like, we don't normally see them engage in improv games like that. I wonder if it was improv. Probably not. Probably not, but it, it, it does stick out because normally if Jerry tells a dumb joke, someone will go, oh, very funny, like you would. But but George, you know, he like I said, he yes ands it. <laughs> and where in the where's the holy cow? Oh, there it is. Uh, so back over at Jenna's, she is brushing with a very powerful electric toothbrush that Jerry has bought for her. And she stops, and he's like, "Oh no, keep going!" It shuts off automatically. <laughs> and then he like throws in under his breath when the batteries run out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> And she even uh, gargles with plaque. While, while Jerry is uh, dis disposing of the toothbrush that fell in the toilet, she's gargling with plaques. And she was like, why does this taste like bleach? <laughs> or something like that. And he was like, oh, I wouldn't know anything about that. Uh, and she comes in for a kiss, but he still won't kiss her. I, I like how she walks out of the bathroom. And the, the line that she says as she's about to like hug and kiss Jerry, she's like, Oh, my mouth feels so clean. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and we get another interesting POV shot here, uh, like a fisheye lens with her lips up to, you know, yeah. from like Jerry's Jerry's face POV. Yeah, again, I thought it was a, a, an interesting, interesting directorial choice, something I don't recall seeing before. Down in Jerry's car, we're driving. He's driving now with Elaine, and... Elaine's like, you know, marveling at the fact that he's now finding fault with women on a subatomic level. <laughs> you you caught like the line at the beginning of the scene here where Jerry's talking about like he, he could have easily have said like her mouth is tainted or she has like germs in her mouth. Yeah. But but instead, Jerry yells, she has a taint. She has a taint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when, did, when did we start calling that the taint? Do you want to look that up for next week? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Paint Origins. <laughs> oh, my favorite Netflix original, Paint Origins. Because <laughs> can I tell you what what I heard the name for it was in 99 from a friend? Uh, what? The, the Grundle? Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard that before. Okay. I've heard uh, I, I've heard the Gooch before. Interesting. Uh, what else have I heard? I, I, I Gooch came from Jackass. I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know where. Uh, so that was two years after this episode. Um, the first time I heard a name for it. So I'm I'm wondering if Taint came after that. I hope we find out. I hope Taint has its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> That's gonna be my dream. <laughs> <laughs> so jenna has a taint and uh, elaine's line really is brilliant you're finding fault now on a subatomic level um and jerry's like I, I might feel safe if i could 
like in Fantastic Voyage, shrink down. He was like, but then some of that stuff might be kind of scary, but I would have that laser. Um, do you do you remember this movie? Maybe I should write this down again. No. Might have to write down more homework. We've had uh, – I, I, I vaguely remember it, but I I think he's even going further back because I remember a movie called Inner Space, which was about the same thing where people shrunk down and then they were injected into someone's body. So Fantastic Voyage – that must have been a takeoff of Fantastic Voyage where – like a scientist shrink da- shrinks down into a, like a, a tiny little submarine, and they even did a um, yeah I'm, a Futurama episode based on this too. When when Fry yeah, gets really I'm, smart, I'm fam- yeah, I'm familiar with the premise, yeah. but I, I I don't know the movie itself. Yeah, all right, well we'll we'll look it up. Um, yeah, that's that's I just remember that's one of my favorite episodes of Futurama too because they do it on in like VR style, and so the whole ship gets mm-hmm. murdered, and then you see them with all their masks like freaking out, but then they're like still alive, obviously because they were just in, in VR world. And uh, Lane's like having a little intervention with Jerry right now. He's telling, right now he has tendencies. And I like that Jerry's like, what do you mean? Like to be happy and clean for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, but if you can't kiss this girl, it's going to move into full-blown disorder. And then down the line, straight up dementia. And Jerry says, yeah, that could hurt me. <laughs> and so they see the, the litter removal sign now for Kramer in big letters, the big Kramer sign, adopt a highway program. <laughs> Uh, litter remover sponsored by Kramer. And uh, they're like, hey, you want to stop? It's like, nah, we've seen him. Uh, and so they kind of, you know, they just kind of, Kramer just kind of yells at them as they drive by. And he has about 20 bags of litter, not to mention some other giant items that he's cleaned from just this one mile stretch of highway. And yet he still runs into freeway traffic for this tiny little crushed up can. <laughs> P- playing Frogger with all the un- oncoming cars. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Elaine knocks on an apartment door in the building across the street from her and she asks if she can use this guy's apartment to order food from this chinese restaurant and the guy is basically confused and also a little suspicious and uh, ends up slamming the door on her in fact i'm glad they answered this question because i wrote it down i was like wait a minute she couldn't get into that building earlier this may be a different building but still how did she get in and the guy asks her how did you get in she goes well the lock's kind of broken you just have to jiggle it I, I loved one of the questions he asked her. Like she, she's talking about the supreme flounder, and he's like, "Oh, that sounds good. When is that?" Like talking about like if it's an event happening at like a home or something. Yeah, I, this guy played it really well. Like just confused and didn't understand the concept. It is a it's a weird concept to try to explain, and and he didn't get it. Um, but as he slams the door in her face, she turns around and sees an open janitor supply closet, and a light bulb goes off. Meanwhile, over in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is using Jerry's sink and towels and stuff to scrub and clean the highway signs. So there's a mile stretch of the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway that doesn't have any signs right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I love when he picks this one. He's like, look at this. Speed limit 165. They stuck a one. In, they snuck a one in there. Those kids in their uh, spray paint. <laughs> I love that. I love how funny he thinks that joke is. Meanwhile, George can't contact anyone. He comes in. He can't contact anyone about getting his keys back. Well, I'm, uh, t- I'm sorry about making a pothole. He's like, it turns out you can't really call anybody about making a pothole. And Kramer met some maintenance guys while he was out on the road. So maybe they could help. Uh, in the meantime, Jenna comes in. And George and Kramer uh, exit, but Jerry wants to, you know, ward off dementia and prove to himself that he can kiss her. <laughs> but as he moves in, he he balks again, and he says he has a bruised lip on a cell ray. Do you know what this is? No, he he yeah he bruises lip drinking a cell drinking ray. A so cell it, ray. it's some drink. 
I'm riding it. But down. I, I don't know what it. Son of a bitch. What it is? Okay. We've got. We're, we may. We may have to do a a, a separate episode <laughs> for the homework. Yeah. God. Maybe I'll just really back it off. I won't read the entire Wikipedia article for Taint. Okay. I'll just read the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> just read the bullet points yeah, on Taint. I'll give you bullet okay. points on the history of Taint. And. Uh, but th- then he confesses that he, you know, put the toothbrush fell in there and, you know, she brushed her teeth with it. So Kramer comes in to grab the rest of the highway signs and Jerry leaves to help him carry them out. But as he does that, Jenna slams the door. And then when she opens it back up, tells Jerry that something of yours has now been in the toilet. And we cut back to the apartment where Jerry is on the phone with either with Jenna or on her machine. I, I get the feeling he was leaving a message for her. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, and, and asking if it was the spatula. Was it the spatula? And, you know, he doesn't get an answer, so he just throws that out. Uh, along with, as Elaine suggests, his remote control <laughs> and his Walkman. Um, but he's like, as he almost throws out the Walkman, he's like, wait a minute, are you just screwing with me? She's like, yeah. And then he throws out the Walkman and, and anyway. He, yeah, he, st- he still throws it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kramer comes in, and he has removed the little reflective bumps in between the lanes. And I love Jerry's like, isn't that a safety thing? <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to widen the lanes, uh, give give uh, people nice wide lanes, like first-class airline travel on his little one-mile stretch. <laughs> Why? Why? Just uh, just to give you some more space between you and the car around you, I guess, like in first class. You know? <laughs> it is a dumb Kramer idea. Uh, Elaine picks up Jerry's phone and orders the Supreme Flounder to 1Q uh, at this new address. And uh, Kramer has had that, and it's because Newman uses his mail truck to drive for China Panda on the weekends. I thought this was going to be kind of an Uber Eats situation, but as we learn later, it's it's not really. But um, I thought that's what Newman was using his mail truck for, like like <laughs> literally literally driving like do- delivery, like doing deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like he's uh, doing like supply runs yes. from like the fish market. Yeah. yeah. At the end, that's what it, it clarifies as. Uh, as we find out, apartment 1Q is written in Sharpie on duct tape, and it is the janitorial closet uh, across the street from Elaine's apartment. And the delivery guy knocks on the 1Q door, and Elaine opens it with a towel on her head saying, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't hear you. I was in the shower. And she opens and closes the door so quickly the delivery guy can't get a good enough look in. And so Elaine's plan is working. I love that she didn't even try to get good-looking numbers just one cue written on duct tape and sharpie yeah i i I gotta say as a former and sometimes Uh, current delivery person i don't give a shit where you're at what type of building you're in uh even when i did have delivery boundaries if you tip me i'll take it i'll take your food wherever you need it to go Mm. if you're in my car for an uber passenger i'll take you wherever you need to go just tip me Mm. Mm mm-hmm and I think Elaine probably would is going to keep doing that because, you know, the questions go away when the money starts flowing, you know? Yeah. I would imagine. But, uh, yeah, the guy the guy is still kind of suspicious. And it might have something to do with 1Q written on Sharpie and duct tape. By the way, I think Apartment 1Q is a good Seinfeld trivia team name if you're looking for one. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Or Mile Marker 114. Mile Marker 114. Yeah, I would make it Mile Marker 114 to the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway. I would – that whole thing <laughs> – and I would make the person say it every time. <laughs> and in second place, that is good. That is mile really marker good. 114 of the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway. I like that even better than apartment Jesus. 1Q. <laughs> but both are good. We've got two good ones. Now, out on the street, the maintenance guy, this scene 
was maybe my biggest laugh of the whole episode. This guy, this is filled with so many. You know, I'm going to look up the, but I don't want to be a secondary character episode about this episode because there are so many good ones. There's the delivery guy. There's the guy who runs, who answers the phone at China Panda. There's these maintenance guys. There's Jenna, for that matter, who's, who's gone on to fame and fortune in her own right. But I loved, oh, and, and we're going to get another great one later on, Mrs. Alistair. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but. The maintenance guys roll up to meet George. They, oh my God. <laughs> and they're like, the, yeah. you're, you're talking about secondary characters. They are the best <laughs> secondary characters in this episode. And, and I love Jenna's character. Yeah. I, I, I thought her character was really well done. The maintenance guys make this episode incredible. Uh, the maintenance guys are, are meeting George and they're giving George a hard time about, they just kind of repeat like, yeah, so, uh, you know, we got to get under there. Yeah, I got to, uh, the keys are under there. And, until George realizes, and he, he goes, oh, is this about money? And the guy goes, yeah, it's about money. That was brilliant. <laughs> George literally like is frozen by how bad of a burn that was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a verbal ass kicking that was. <laughs> Just the, the extra snort and everything. Oh, man. Oh, man. So good. So out on the highway, Kramer is slowly rolling along in his car and using a roller brush to erase the lane lines, uh, as he said, in lanes one and three. Uh, with some black paint. The, by the way, he's also getting all over his passenger seat. That was distressing to me. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he's like ro- like just being so sloppy with the roller and it's getting everywhere. But he's erasing all of these uh, all of these lines. Meanwhile, back in apartment 1Q, Elaine is berated in a hallway by a woman who thinks she's the janitor that was like, you know, uh, just lazing about on the job, hanging out in the janitor closet and tell her to like clean up all the garbage that's down in the basement. I'm I'm guessing I'm guessing she's the uh, like apartment building manager. I, I took it that she was. Yeah, maybe maybe because she she threatens Elaine's job later on. And, and if she's just a tenant, she wouldn't have the authority to do that. Well, she could go and, and turn her in somewhere. That's the way I, I always mm. I felt like she was a resident who's just like the resident Maybe. that has put herself in charge. You know, there's always like a neighbor that's like, has oh, put himself yeah. in charge of the street or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's the way I took it, but that that's it. She could have been in some sort of, you know, managerial position as well. I don't, I don't know what the difference is between a janitor and a super, but she could be the super. If there is a difference, maybe I've just um, really denigrated all the supers of the world. <laughs> But uh, back up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer's alarm, I'm sorry, not Jerry's apartment, but in Kramer's apartment, Kramer's alarm goes off at 6 a.m. And we hear the radio traffic guy talking about his mile of the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway and how four lanes go inexplicably into two and then back into four, which has caused a huge traffic jam on, as he, I, ca- he calls it the ABE, right? Something yeah, like that. yeah, Arthur Burkhardt Expressway. Yeah. I, it's what, a very... A uh, very convenient abbreviation, yeah. but I loved this depiction of the radio announcer. Yeah, uh, it's like, whoa, Nelly, someone <laughs> screwed up there. Yeah, very zany, very morning radio traffic guy. <laughs> whoa, Nelly, ooga! <laughs> it's a parking lot on the ABE or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, move it, you moron. <laughs> they just have all of these sound effects playing in the background. Yes. Uh, in apartment 1Q, Jerry shows up for the supreme flounder that he wants to try. Uh, then George shows up, and George has gotten the maintenance guys down to $50 if he does the jackhammering. Uh, and then Kramer barges in, which I love because that's exactly what he would do at Jerry's apartment. Yeah, he, he tries to do the full Kramer yeah. entrance by, like, ramming himself into the door and just running right in to this uh, 20 square foot room that already has three people and a bunch of supplies already in it. Yeah, that was so genius to still have Kramer do the Kramer entrance. I loved it. Uh, did you see the card on the door, too? It's, I I don't know if I did. So there's like a greeting card or something. There's like a, a, a bulletin board on the back of the door with a, just a bunch of stuff tacked up there. But it's got a, a little card that says, dream big, reach high, live, love, laugh, sigh. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I didn't see this. I don't know, but I thought that was a pretty early iteration of live, laugh, love. I thought, isn't that the typical order, the stereotypical order, live, laugh, love? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This said live, love, laugh, and then added sigh at the end, too, because it, it rhymes with high, reach high, <laughs> live, love, laugh, sigh. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was funny for, like, a, a janitorial room to have tacked up there. Um, maybe it was, like, from a resident or something. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, but then Mrs. Alistair knocks on the door. That's the woman that berated Elaine earlier, and she knocks on the door and just yells, "Janitor, hey janitor!" <laughs> Jesus, yeah. Um, and she How demeaning. Once a- I don't think you can get much more demeaning than that. Dehumanizing, yeah. Hey janitor, and she berates Elaine again about all the trash in the basement. I told you to move it, and this is where she says, "You know, it, it'll be your job." Uh, and at that point, all three guys tumble out of the janitorial closet after Kramer spilled ammonia in there. I, I just got to say, having the door swing inward is a huge fire hazard. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Seems like it would be. <laughs> Especially if you're going to have four people in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up in Jerry's apartment, Jenna comes over, and Jerry's kitchen has been cleared out. He's pretending not to care. He just wants to put all the silliness behind them. Meanwhile, Elaine comes in to borrow Jerry's car so she can haul the garbage from that apartment building to the dump, and it is going to be grimy. And because it's in front of Jenna, Jerry wholeheartedly agrees to give his keys to Elaine to show Jenna that he's a changed man. But he still, he breaks after she leaves. And he's like, that car was my last germ-free sanctuary. I slept in there last night. And she reveals (laughs) what she put in the toilet, his toilet brush. And Uh... I love Jerry's line, toilet brush. I can replace that. (laughs) 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 Even his toilet brush can't go in the toilet. Um, at At that point... Jerry offers like, okay, yeah, do you want to go to your place and get dinner? Because he threw out all of his dishes. <laughs> and I wanted to point out, at this point, I wrote in my notes, I'm like, I really like Jenna for Jerry. This may be the best relationship, in my opinion, relationship pairing that Jerry has been in. That's true. She's really challenging him. Yeah, and she's uh, she's putting up with his bullshit, but she's also like reflecting it back onto him. Yeah. Yeah, showing him what a what a selfish problem it can be. Yeah. Yeah, trying to fix him and, and, you know, maybe fix him is a bad word, but at least show him that there's a little mental health problem here that he that he doesn't have to live with. Out on the street, I loved this scene too. Just this scene with no words made me laugh so hard. 
Elaine is covered in grime and hauling garbage and scrap and, and paint cans and stuff like that. And she nods at George, who is on the street jackhammering into a bottle. <laughs> so they're both now these blue collar and, you know, like they're both, you know, completely white collar office workers. And then they've been put in this uh, scenario where they're passing each other. And I, I thought that was hilarious. Oh, and then Kramer is loading paint thinner, a giant paint thinner drum into his trunk <laughs> to go fix the ABE. Over at Jenna's, Jerry and Jenna have made up. Jerry's talking about what a changed man he is. But we cut out to the street where George, while jackhammering, hits something, a pipe, and it water starts spewing up through the pothole, sending Phil Rizzuto flying with a holy cow. Uh, and so George is like, obviously hit a water main or something. Jenna's toilet starts shaking. And as she goes into the bathroom to investigate, it explodes everywhere in the bathroom. And Jerry opens the door, uh, you know, walks over and sees what's happened and says, have a nice life. He, he can't. Well, not it. only that, he, he says, holy cow, oh, have yeah. a nice life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked how this was shot, like only showing Jenna's arm being soaked because yeah. it's, it's uh, not obviously going to live up to the expectations that people have in their yeah. mind. Yeah. Because if she's only just wet with water and she doesn't have anything on her, like I alluded to in, in the first scene, people are going to be like, oh, well, it's just water. You, you don't see the rest of her. Maybe she's covered in something else. Ted's not going to be happy with this episode until something is covered in shit. Okay? <laughs> exactly. I was trying to refrain from saying it. I want to see fecal matter. Okay? Put it on primetime TV. Lots of it. <laughs> the the people that I'm talking about that it's not going to live up to their imaginations, that is me. I am people. Yes. I, I thought it was weird. I, I thought it was an odd shot. And I like the way that you say it. You know, it's better than if we saw... Uh, her because I felt like it was just a production shortcoming where it was like, oh, we needed Kristen Davis for one more day. We got this extra shot, but it's not worth it to like, you know, actually pay her for another day of work. We'll just get a stand in to be a hand. We'll get a hand in. I mean, it may have been yeah, Kristen have Davis. Been. Yeah. Because I mean, it's shot with the same scene of her, her and Jerry like making up. Yeah. But yeah. And, and you don't actually see the toilet explode, do you? No. Yeah. No, you so hear it, it, it but I mean, any special that, that's nothing. Or anything. So maybe maybe that it, maybe it was both, but you know you you've added I feel like a little bit of weight to it by saying that like just imagine what she looks like, imagine it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, over uh, Elaine is driving Jerry's car with all the garbage in it, and she gets to Kramer's wide lanes, and she's swerving all over the road. <laughs> Ooh, luxurious, she says, as she's just like going left, right, left, yeah. right. Yeah, it's not even a it's not even a, a, a gliding breezy swerve. It is like hard left, hard right, hard left. She she's she's doing the, the NASCAR swerve to clean off her tires. Yes, yes. And I used to all the time this is one of those Seinfeld lines that, that I feel like is not, you know, quoted often by fans, but anytime I'm on a highway with wide lanes, I'll go wide lanes Ooh. <laughs> i think i've i think i've done it since 1997 <laughs> wow yeah. oh my god wide lanes um and an antique sewing machine falls out of her car while she's making these jerky hard right and lefts uh possibly yeah. possibly the same 
antique sewing machine. Yeah. Because it, it looks like the exact same one that Kramer hit. It definitely does. Originally. And Kramer s- spills his entire drum of paint thinner onto the highway. And uh, we, fa- we see Newman then in his mail truck. And he is running fresh fish for China Panda. So he's not a, like an Uber Eats driver. He's more of a, uh, a Cisco driver for them. Not not only uh, Newman singing uh, once, twice, three times a lady to <laughs> yeah. no music. Yeah. And he runs over the sewing machine, which is now sparking everywhere and ignites the paint thinner as he rolls over that. And this is a classic moment where he's like, three times, or maybe he starts at your ones, twice, three times. Ah! As his truck goes up in flames. And he's screaming, oh, the humanity. Yeah, oh, the humanity. And that's the end of the episode proper. We do get one little epilogue where Newman burned to a crisp. Uh, walks silently by Kramer, who's trying to get his attention, see if he wants a ride, or uh, and he hears the police sirens or some sort of siren in the background, says he's got a skedaddle, and then then Newman, we get another Newman scream over basically the production cards, like those are rolling now. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a weird touch. Yeah, um, but I did really like as Newman's walking by Kramer. Uh, Kramer says, "Did you see that fireball?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it obviously can't tell that the fireball was Newman because exactly. of his completely charred clothes and face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the the um Newman scream I feel like was just sound that an editor stuck in there that was from an earlier scene or an earlier take or something like that. I'm like it, it, I, I don't know. Like more of a just a, just Easter a little egg. Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. Than an actual continuation of the scene. But who knows? I mean, if he screamed right then it would be kind of funny. So that's it. All right. Uh, I know we I know we got a lot, but what do we got for homework next week? For homework next week, we will look into Kristen Davis, uh, Phil okay. Rizzuto, the Arthur Burkhardt Expressway, the origins of the slang term taint, uh, the, <laughs> uh, the movie Fantastic Voyage, and Cell Ray. What is a Cell Ray? And do Ted and I have to drink one? Ooh, ooh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you like this week for cover art? Hmm. I mean, George and Elaine. That scene of them nodding at each other is pretty funny. You know, we liked we liked the maintenance guys a lot. So I mean, putting them in with George, you know, getting a shot of them with George might be kind of funny. <laughs> um, those are those are my uh, those are my suggestions. What do you got? Maybe all of them in the closet. That might work. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I, yeah. I might might try and get that. I, I was going to say, um, I, I don't know if I like the, the George and Elaine because that kind of gives away too much. But yeah. I, I did like George's close up of his face while jackhammering away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's another one where if we could do GIFs, it would be, you know, like last week you mentioned if we could get a GIF of Kramer twirling, but George jackhammering, especially out of uh, context, could look very funny. All right, um, let's see what we can do about this week's episode description. Let's do it. So we had, George takes extreme measures to locate his lost Yankees key ring. Ugh, I, I, don't, I don't like it. Um, what do we got? We got Jerry and Jenna. We got Elaine and the food. We got Kramer and the highway, and we got George and the keys. Um, do we want to start with Jerry and Jenna and see how yeah, much we I think can... we can keep. I think we can keep that real simple by just saying Jerry becomes a germaphobe. Yeah, he is a germaphobe, but like he's already very neat and and mm-hmm. um I wouldn't call him a germaphobe already though. Like he he's neat, he's tidy, he's clean, but he's not like uh kill all germs. I need to lice all this as soon as it comes into my apartment. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> 
what if this is a jumping off point? Like Jerry's girlfriend has a taint. <laughs> Jesus. Um, what about Jerry thinks his girlfriend is tainted? Okay. Or, or what about yeah. like, well, thinks is probably better because I was like, what about Jerry's girlfriend is tainted? Oh God. But w- um, I I think thinks okay. works better. I, Jerry yeah. Jerry thinks his girlfriend is tainted. Uh-huh. Okay. Let me see. What what um, Kramer? What about the Kramer adopts a highway? Or Kramer cleans up a highway or something like that? Uh, yeah, Kr- Kramer Kramer adopts a highway. Yeah, I mean okay. we can, we can stop there, but yeah, because I don't even like goes to great measure to locate his keys because they're located, but he's got to retrieve them. It's really them. yeah, it's really the effort he goes to to retrieve them, not to yeah. locate them. So uh, Jerry yeah, thinks... I, I I wouldn't mind like totally leaving that out because the episode name is already the pothole. Yeah, so Jerry thinks his girlfriend is tainted. Uh, Kramer adopts a highway. And we could say, Do like... Do you want to include something about Elaine? We could take a term from the episode and say Elaine faces address discrimination. <laughs> or Elaine... I mean, if you wanted to... Uh, um, Elaine... What about Elaine tricks a restaurant or something like that? Elaine deceives a restaurant? And you could even, if you wanted to extend it, Elaine deceives a restaurant to get delivery. Elaine's delivery yeah. deception. <laughs> I, I don't I don't mind that. So, what? Uh, we, we could do... Uh, Jerry thinks his girlfriend is tainted, Kramer adopts a highway, and Elaine deceives a restaurant. Yeah, I like it. Okay. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I, it's Sweet. not it's not too long. No. Okay. Oh, boy. Um did you did you remember this episode? What did you what did you think about it? Uh, I definitely remember the the holy cow and the pothole scene. Um uh-huh. I I liked all the secondary characters obviously. Um and, and I I felt like I got some good laughs. Um and I, I definitely starred this one. And I, I wrote just as good as, if not better than, the Susie, which I also starred uh, last week. Yeah, I am. Uh, I, I'm of the same feeling. I I thought this episode was great. A uh, lot of really good laughs in this one. Yes. Um, I, I, I definitely started. I don't know how high it's going to be. We'll have to... We'll have to see. As we're getting closer to the end of season eight, it's getting interesting. Things are going to be uh, coming out of the wire, I think. Yeah, it's going to be really tough to make the list. I feel like one and two are probably going to be easy to – I can't name them right now, but I feel like it's going to be easy to go, oh, yeah, that's one and two, and then three through mm-hmm. five or seven or whatever are going to be pretty difficult to rank. Yeah. That's why yeah, I've been trying sure. to take little notes where I'm like, this one should be low. This one was better than the Susie, you know. <laughs> like, I, I've been trying to remember that. Better than whatever, worse than. But yeah, this was this was. I got a lot of good, genuine laughs out of this episode. Okay, so next week we have got season eight, episode seventeen, "The English Patient." Original air date March thirteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Three weeks after this episode aired, and if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are gonna see Jerry lifts weights with his parents' Florida neighbor. Oh my gosh, this is gonna be amazing. This introduces. I'm, wa- I'm wondering, do we are are Jerry's parents back at Del Boca Vista because they sold their condo and moved into a RV the last <laughs> I, we saw them? I guess we're gonna find out. Okay. Yeah, um, this is going to introduce a, a favorite character of the Seinfeld universe, um, and really, yeah, and uh, also a very famous actor. Like this is definitely a cameo that we're about to get, uh, and okay. it's going to be interesting to see uh, because the English Patient. Did you know that's the name of a movie? 
No. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays for us about a movie neither of us have seen, but at least I, <laughs> I conceivably was around and, and cogent, at least more than a four-year-old like you were at this time, Ted, um, to I'll have to see if I remember the mania that surrounded this movie that I think this episode is going to address. So, uh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. But uh, so was that it? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good.